and uh, we're still in Proverbs. We're actually going to wrap up the teaching in Proverbs today. And uh, as, as you know, the, the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which we shared with you, is sort of the preamble to what the Proverbs are and how they work. And, and it's this wonderful, almost like poetic, um, uh, very metaphorical, you know, uh, language, this beautiful language of what the spirit of wisdom is and, and what God's called us to do. And then, and then from chapter 10 on, then what you see are these, these sayings of the wise, these, these, these opportunities to compare what is wise and what is foolish. And it's the juxtaposition of like, this is wisdom, but this is foolish, but this is wisdom, but this is foolish which one are you going to be? And that's really the beauty of the Proverbs is it's this, it's this opportunity to meditate on wisdom and then decide which, which, which way will I go? How then shall I live? And I just want to encourage you guys, Proverbs is so, is so practical. It's so beautiful. And also it is like razor sharp. Like, you know, you, you open up Proverbs and you read Proverbs and if you were like in the middle of deceiving yourself about something because you just want to do what you want to do and not really pay attention to that God might have an opinion about it, Proverbs will get you. You'll just, oh, oh, I am convicted. Uh, and so that's a good spot um, for for meditating, for meditation. Spend some time in Proverbs. Continue to spend time in Proverbs and take advantage of this beautiful wisdom that God has given us for, for abundant life. And um, so I want to encourage you to continue on. But today will, be, today will be the final teaching in this series on Proverbs as we've, as we've laid out what they're, what they're, what they're uh, how they work and the invitation to jump into it. And then you get to run with Proverbs for the rest of the Proverbs and, and enjoy that, that ageless wisdom. We left um, uh, at uh, verse 9 two weeks ago. And so I want to jump in Proverbs 8. And, uh, and I want to start with uh, verse 10. So I'm just going to begin right there. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I love this. So he starts out and he says right away, with this, like wisdom is speaking to us. The spirit of wisdom is speaking to us. Holy Spirit is giving us the spirit of wisdom and he's speaking to us. And he says for right away, I want you to take my instruction instead of silver, which is a form of wealth. And I want you to take knowledge rather than choice gold, which is another form of wealth. And I want you to understand that wisdom is better than jewels, which is another form of wealth. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Speaking of wisdom. So anything you can think of, whatever it is that's motivating you, whatever you would say that's like, oh baby, do I want that? Well, you need to know wisdom is even better than that thing you want. And he's saying, this is, this is the beginning. If you're going to listen and hear me, then you need to hear right away that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it keeps going. It says, now take my instruction. Wisdom is speaking. Take my instruction instead of silver and consider it rather than choice gold, better than jewels, better than anything that you can compare. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. And Jesus, when he was here, he said something very similar, didn't he? He said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And this is the same message. Seek wisdom first and foremost. Seek it more than money. Seek it more than blessing. Seek it more than material blessing. Seek it more than amassed wealth. Seek wisdom above all things. So you guys got it? Wisdom is number one. Seek it. Go after it. It's, it's more important. It's better than any of that stuff. Let's continue. 
For I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, which is the opportunity to stop and think about something. Right? Prudence is really helpful when you're checking out at the grocery store next to all the impulse buy stuff. Prudence is your friend right there. That's a good moment to stop and think, right? Just stop, drop, and think. <laughs> Prudence. Prudence. It causes you to pause. And here's what's interesting is wisdom causes you to find knowledge and discretion. And then it begins to break it down now. He's starting to break it down. He says, uh, this, I'm actually, she, we refer to the spirit of wisdom as she. There's a say law for you right there. Mama's in the house. Say, well, what? <laughs> the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. So now it's digging deeper, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it's, and then we, we read that previously. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now wisdom is saying the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. So, so let's just begin here at the top. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. I'm going to give you knowledge and discretion and prudence to understand that the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. And you're going to need discretion to be able to understand what evil is. See, this is the tricky part right here. We all assume that we would just know what evil is. And I would say to some, to some degree, when it comes like straight-up atrocities and whatnot, we're like, man, that ain't right. Like, that ain't... Psh. That ain't right. You shouldn't be cooking people in ovens. Racism, that ain't right. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's this, right? <laughs> Misogyny, that ain't right. So, so we, we look at evil and we go, man, I can figure out evil. I know, I know what's up with evil. And I would say, yes, with the really obvious stuff, we're all pretty good at looking at evil and being like, that's bad. But wisdom is telling you, yes, that's true. You're good with the easy ones. But you actually need discretion and knowledge and prudence so that you'll actually hate evil and you'll discern what is evil. Jesus, in another place, he, or I'm sorry, not Jesus. Well, I mean, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But in another place in the New Testament, there's a, there's a scripture and it says this. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Right? That, that's like this. It's, it's the same thing. It's like you have to get prudence and find knowledge and discretion so that you don't go, well, the, the truth is this is lawful. And, the, and wisdom would say, yeah, but it isn't helpful. It might, be, it might be lawful in this land, but it's actually evil to the Lord and it's evil for you. It's not helpful for you. Can you receive that? But, but we actually need the spirit of wisdom to be able to discern what those things are. Another place, in, uh, another place in Proverbs, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. It's like, wait, you're telling me that I could have a plan that seemed right to me, but in the end, it led to death? I remember when I was a kid, I uh, asked my dad to give me a ride up to the top of the pass, Cedar Pass, and you go from like 3,000 foot elevation to like 6,600 foot elevation, and it's a sweet pass, and I, so I just, it seemed right unto me to ride my bicycle from the pass, so I'm hauling at like 50 miles an hour, like literally 50 miles an hour, and my front tire went flat, and it seemed right to me to do that without a helmet, and then as I was just rolling, 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 head over hiney, head over hiney, head over hiney, head over hiney. It was a long, whoo, I was just a rag doll. And I, you know how when you, like, you're wrecking, everything goes into slow motion? And I was just like, tuck your head, tuck your head, 
Chuck your head. Chuck your head. Chuck your head. And I'm all tore up. It seemed right unto me, but in the end, it almost led to death. <laughs> how many of you are smarter than me? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you have had something that you thought was a really great idea, and then you realized, this was a terrible idea. I have, I have made a misjudgment. This seemed right unto me, and it is, uh, oh God, please save me now. This is leading unto death. Well, you need wisdom. You need a spirit of wisdom because you guys know that there are things that seem right to us. They seem right to us, but they're, but they're not. They're not as easy to call. They're not as easy to call. Two weeks ago, I talked about, in, uh, as wisdom is speaking to us, I talked about how, you know, in reality, what we've been called into in this life is you are either, you and I are either continuing to actively walk with the Lord in relationship or, or, or we are passively drifting into the currents and the momentum of this world, which is relationship with the enemy and selflessness, selfishness. Do you see that? Because you know what? We're not static. You don't just make a decision. I made this decision, and now I'm just, woo, just locked on to Jesus. I'm just headed to heaven. Jesus, here I come. No, because you're in a current. You're in this world right now. And this world has its own culture. It has its own momentum. And you're actually counterculture. You're walking with Christ. And guess what? He's going against the current, not with it. So if you stop actively flowing with what God is doing, you're already drifting. Do you see that? See, what we're doing is not passive. And we need a spirit of discernment to remain active in our relationship with the Lord. So we're either actively walking with Him or we're already starting to drift. You see that? Now, I'm not talking about earning God's love. He already loves you. Jesus is proof that He already brought you into the family. But you guys know, faith does work. It just doesn't earn. We're not earning love. We're working with Christ. If you don't believe me, go read James. That's a whole nother really good preach. Right? Are you guys seeing that? So we're actively walking with the Lord. But we need discernment from the Lord to understand what that looks like. And the fear of the Lord is actually hatred of evil. Now, we've all seen the funky, hypocritical application of that, right? It's like, you're evil. You're on the evil political party. They're evil over there, right? So it's like those types of things, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. That, that's another preach. That's, that's too fine of a point. What we're talking about is that the fear of the Lord is that I actually go, search me, Lord, and show me if there's something wicked in me where I'm calling that which is evil good. Lord, am I moving towards something right now that you would actually say, hey, 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 you need to be hating that. You need to be hating that plan. In fact, let's go further because it says, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. This puts the fear of God in me. My words per minute as a human being is extraordinarily high. My greatest temptation in all of the earth is to get a good laugh. I do almost anything to get a good laugh. Christ is being formed in me, so that's, it's become, I'll do less. I'm, I'm learning how to be willing. You guys are with me. All right? So the temptation is, though, is to say something that will compromise what God has actually said. Because he says here, I don't want you being arrogant, and I don't want you perverting your speech. You know what perverting is, right? 
It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily about sexual perverted. There's that kind. But it's just taking something that's supposed to work this way and tweaking it. And I'm supposed to bless and not curse. But sometimes when I'm feeling some pressure and I want to lighten some things up, then I want to say something snarky and sarcastic and somebody goes under the bus and the spirit of wisdom says, Joshua, that is evil. I'm like, you do not have to be so harsh throwing down evil on that one with me. But the scripture says this, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. And it means that I need discernment to know that, that God himself is saying, you don't get to devalue any humans ever. And I'm like, no, I totally agree. But, even, but, but for a laugh, it's all right. Right, Lord? No. So, so this is making sense, right? I mean, it's pretty rudimentary. But this is the reality, is that without that spirit of discernment, we actually begin to drift in certain things. Do you see that? And we actually need the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, to come in and give us the discernment so that we don't begin to compromise in ways that seem rather innocuous, but wisdom would say to you, you are either actively engaging in relationship with the Lord, walking where he's walking, going where he's going, living the way that he lives, loving the way that he loves, or you're drifting into a relationship with selfishness, the ways of the enemy in the world, which is evil. You see that? So, so, so the point I want you to catch is that we don't catch, is that we don't figure that out by checking in with how we feel about it. We check in with how he feels about it. Can you receive that? So, spirit of wisdom, would you help me to be able to use prudence and find knowledge and discretion so that I can fear you, Lord, and actually hate the things that are evil and call what's evil, evil? Not so that I can judge my brother, but so that I myself won't be cruising along and engaging in something that I'm like, this is a funny joke. And the Lord's like, no, that's not how I see that. that that's actually devaluing someone else. Or that's, that's creating tension. That's creating anxiety. That's putting you in a position where you're, you're no longer fully engaged in the way that you're supposed to be engaged. You guys see what I'm saying? And, he, and God doesn't say, oh, that's cute. That's kind of funny. You're kind of edgy. No, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I hate evil. Like it, I don't giggle when you flirt with evil. How many husbands have ever flirted with someone else? Don't raise your hand. How many times does your wife giggle about that? Does she giggle? Oh, that's so cute. So funny. No, she does not. <laughs> Nor does the Lord giggle when we flirt with evil. Does that make sense? How about that? That kind of brings it home, right? You guys got, got mad at me for even saying that. Yeah, that's how we should feel about evil. But we need discernment to see it as it is. Amen? All right, let's keep going. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. And by me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just by me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. We need wisdom to know how to be of the correct influence that we're called to do, to walk with justice and to govern ourselves and our sphere of responsibility and influence 
correctly. We actually need the wisdom of God so that we'll do this. Do you guys know that it says in the New Covenant that we are, that we are a kingdom and priests? We are kings and priests. Do you guys know that? You have all been given the opportunity and the responsibility to actually extend the kingdom of God in your area of responsibility and influence. That's the Bible. You guys are looking at me like you don't believe me. It's in the Bible. It's what he's called us to do. So here's what's interesting is he gives us each a realm of responsibility and influence. And that may increase or decrease based on the design and leadership of God. And if you're faithful in your realm, he usually increases it. Some of you may be at the level of influence and responsibility that he wants you now to operate at for the rest of your life. Good job. Keep, just be faithful in that area. But you are actually responsible in that area. Do you hear me? And so we need the spirit of wisdom to help us to do exactly what this, this, the, 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 the proverb is speaking and saying, kings reign by this, rulers decree by this, princes rule by this, nobles govern by this. Well, the thing that you need to understand is this applies to you because in Christ, we are all kings and priests and we've all been given a realm by which we're supposed to be governing ourselves and those that we're responsible and influencing unto extending the kingdom. Amen? So we all have this responsibility and influence and we need wisdom to be able to walk in that area of responsibility and influence. You with me so far? All right, let's keep going. Continues to say then, I love those who love me. Wisdom is speaking to us. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. Wait, what? Hold on. Verse 10 said, take my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than gold, wisdom better than jewels, and anything that I would desire doesn't even compare with wisdom. You guys remember that. But then we turn around and he says, those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. Wait a minute. I think what this is saying is, wisdom leads to wealth. Say, uh-oh. <laughs> is that what this is saying? Is that wisdom would lead to wealth? You guys are looking at me like it's a trick question. You're reading the same scripture I am. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. You see, here's what's interesting. Wisdom leads to wealth, yet protects you from loving wealth. Previously, wisdom had said, choose me above wealth, love me instead. However, I want to warn you guys that if you choose wisdom, if you choose the ways of the king and his kingdom, you are going to have a problem. Would you like to venture a guess as to what that problem will be? Wealth. You see, it's only in following wisdom from God that we are told we can continue in both wealth and righteousness. Wisdom teaches us to live in such a way that we walk in righteousness and wealth follows. And Jesus affirms you can't serve God in money. So let me read this scripture to you here. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and you'll love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You can't serve both God 
and mammon. Now, mammon means wealth personified. It's the spirit of wealth. It's where essentially you're saying like, I'm in this for what I can get out of this. Like, I, I like money. I like the shiny kind. I like the, the, the liquid kind. I like the material kind. You're with me. You love wealth. You're looking for wealth. It's the number one thing. It's what's motivating you. And Jesus says, listen, if that's what's motivating you, you can't possibly follow God because you'll love money more than you'll love me. He says, you have to love me first. And yet, here's what's interesting. Jesus says, however, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and these other things will get added to you. So he's saying, you're going to have a problem. How many of you guys know that uh, when you got saved, it doesn't mean you won't have any more problems? Did anybody get in based on a bad sales job there where somebody's like, man, just come to Jesus. He's going to give you peace. Everything's going to be amazing. And then you'll never have any problems again. Please forgive my fellow brother or sister who preached that gospel to you. That's not the gospel. It actually is that you will be saved. You will be born again. You will join Jesus in his kingdom and he will lead you directly to pain. And then you will share in his glory. That's the actual gospel. So, so you need to know, you are going to face pain. And he's going to lead you to problems. Literally towards them. All right? So just, I just need to warn you. Like it says, as surely as sparks fly upward, man is born into adversity. Mankind has been born into adversity. Expect the problems. For half of you right now, you're just getting saved right now. Like, are you serious? Like, I'm supposed to have problems? I'm just so glad to know that. I thought I was doing it wrong. No, you're doing it right. You might be doing some things wrong. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. In fact, I'll just go right to it. We're all going to have problems. Here's the trick. You need to make sure you're having the right problems. Okay? Like, if your problem is that you're hungover every morning, that's the wrong problem. But if your problem is, is that you're facing some major challenges... Oftentimes, that's the right problem. You're facing some temptations. You're facing some, some interpersonal things. You're facing how to keep your business continuing, how to keep people employed, how to, how to manage the wealth that you've been given. These are good problems. These are problems of success. But you are going to have problems. So make sure you have the right ones. Make sure you have problems of success, not problems of sin. Are you with me? Jesus will help you with the problems of sin, but he will lead you into the problems of success. And one of those problems is the management of wealth. And that wealth is brought because you're doing things God's way. If you follow Christ, I'm sorry, but you're going to be blessed. And you're going to be blessed with wealth. Now, that wealth may become a snare to you. You will then have to face a temptation to fall in love with the blessing of God and abandon God himself. That's a reality. But here's what's beautiful about this. If we follow God's way of doing things, we continue to seek first his kingdom. We continue to seek wisdom to discern what is good and evil. 
and we continue to fear the Lord, which means we will manage wealth the way that he requires that we do. See, there have, been a lot of, there have been a lot of words out there that have been used to discourage many of us from the idea that wealth can be righteous in our day. And many, because of those abuses, uh, and uh, I, I hate using the term, but you, you guys are familiar with it, but because of the abuses of a prosperity gospel, which is, this, and I'm just going to be specific about what I mean by that, is that if you will essentially give in order to get and you will be spared from trouble because of your generosity, because of those abuses in that area, that ditch on that side of the road, there are many people that have rightfully looked at some of those, of those exaggerations, sort of essentially teaching one side of wealth, one side of generosity without the other side, and you rightfully looked at that and went, that, that doesn't seem right to me, right? That doesn't seem, I give, I give God $100 and he gives me $1,000, what is he, a cash machine in the sky? Okay, so you rightfully look at that and you go, this seems manipulative. This doesn't seem appropriate. And you rightfully rejected that side of it, but then you end up rejecting all of the responsibility. And here's what I would say, because of that rejection of an abuse or an exaggeration on one side, many have rejected the responsibility of both wisdom and wealth. Let me say it again. Because of abusive words that have been used to discourage many from the idea that wealth can be righteous in our day, then many have rejected the responsibility of both wisdom and wealth. You see, what I want you to understand today is that you have a responsibility before the Lord. The scriptures are teaching you that each of us have a responsibility to be faithful with the life that we've given, our area of responsibility and influence, and that we're to be faithful to seek the wisdom of God that we would use our area of responsibility and influence for his purposes, in his way, for blessing. But as we do that, he has said, wealth will follow my way. Wealth and riches will become yours. Because when you do things God's way, it creates blessing and abundance. It destroys relational poverty. It destroys material poverty. It destroys, un it destroys injustice. It destroys manipulation. It destroys all of these things that bring poverty into the world. And you guys got to understand, God did not invent poverty. He invented abundance. Christ makes the point that they pave the streets in heaven with the stuff that most of us spend a lot of our time worrying about. Do you understand this? And the reason why this is vital for us is because money is an important place. It's a very powerful part of this life. You know, guys, money really is a measure of your time, talent, and labor. You've taken your time, talent, and labor, and you have invested it, and you've received a currency that allows you to take that time, talent, and labor and point it in any direction under your control. You're able to control that currency. You're able to control that wealth and you could, you could use it to free someone or you could use it to enslave them. You could use it to create more jobs or you could use it to destroy jobs. You could use it to bless your neighbor or you could use it to sue your neighbor. Do you understand this? So what you're doing is you're taking your time, talent, and labor 
And as that becomes wealth, and by the way, if you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. But suddenly now you're, you are tasked with a responsibility to move forward in wisdom and righteousness with the wealth that he has given you. But God doesn't apologize about the fact that his ways do actually bring wealth because he created us to be stewards in this earth and to release the kingdom in every area. Do you understand that? But it all belongs to him. And, and, and the, the, the issue that I see so often, and this is why I really like Financial Peace University, by the way, is because Financial Peace University doesn't just teach you to set aside the first 10% and, 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 and embrace that principle of generosity as a, as, a, as a minimum starting point. It doesn't just say, here, you do 10% and everything else will work. Because I just want to let you know, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what wisdom teaches. You don't just give 10% and everything works. I want to share a story with you, and I'll wrap up with this. When, um, when uh, Karen and I, uh, I was 25 years old, we were in Youth with a Mission, and, uh, and we, were, um, we were doing uh, what you do with Youth with a Mission, and we're getting ready to go on outreach. And as we're preparing each month on, our, on going for outreach, you would meet with the base leader, and the base leader would just check in with you. You know, they're just like, hey, how's it going? How's your communication? How's your marriage? How's your connection with the Lord? How's things going with, you know, out, outreach funds and what have you? And they had asked us to write letters and ask people to sow into the ministry of which we were a part. And Karen and I... Um, we're walking through that process. So each time that I would meet with this guy, there were three months that I was meeting with him. And the first time that I met with him, he just said, Joshua, I keep getting the word stewardship. And I said, what? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. But the word stewardship is coming to mind. And I just want to ask you, is the Lord saying anything to you in regard to stewardship? And I said, well, no, not at all. And I'm thinking in my head, Lord, I know that I'm a fantastic steward. Um, my wife and I tithe. I work crazy, ridiculous amount of hours. I love to work we are so crazy generous, like we give away so much money. I pay all of my taxes. I have no debts. I know that I'm a good steward. And I said, man, I don't know what to tell you, but that, that doesn't resonate with me. And he goes, all right, we'll just be praying about it and thinking about it. So the next month we meet again, and he says, hey, I'm getting the word stewardship. And I'm like, what? And I said, well, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, honestly, that I know that we're good stewards. We've, we faithfully tithe. We faithfully give. We, we, we work really hard. We're not, we have no past due bills. Everything's paid off. We don't have debt. Like, we're, we're great. I know I'm a great steward. Third month, we come in, and the dude leads with stewardship again. At this point, I'm irritated, and I started thinking, like, maybe this dude, like, every time he meets with people, then he's just like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting stewardship, you know, and then just waits for them to melt down or something. I don't know. I just was like, is this his deal? And so, I said, listen, man, I don't know what to tell you, but this is, I know I'm a good steward. And so we had kind of the same conversation we'd had for three months now. And as I'm leaving that meeting, I'm really frustrated. And I just, I said to the Lord, Lord, this is ridiculous. Like you need to talk to your son over here, your leader. Like I know that, like I can honor him and respect him and follow him and whatever, but the dude is off his nut. Like go talk to him because he's blowing it. Like I know we're doing, I know I'm a good steward. And I, and I just paused for him and I took a breath and I said, well, maybe, I don't know, Lord, am I a good steward? Like, you know, be careful with the Lord and maybe. Like, you crack that door, he's going to lay some truth on you. Just need to let you know. Spirit of wisdom came in. And God just sort of ran the slideshow of what it's like to be married to me. And he just showed me. He just said, Joshua, 
you are fantastic. I'm honored that you honor me with the principle of the tithe and you always give us the first tenth towards the equipping ministry. I'm honored that you're ridiculously generous. It's great that you guys pay all your bills and it's wonderful that you're debt free and you work really hard. That's great. However, you're not a good steward. You don't save anything. You don't invest anything. You don't communicate with your wife before you give. You give to need. You're not strategic. If you are coming home with money and somebody meets you with a need, then whatever's left over when you get home is what your wife is able to then manage to try to make your life work. You steal her opportunity to share in giving because you don't involve her in the decision, so you're forcing her to have to wonder if she's even generous, even though she's ridiculously generous, but she can't know that because you force what you're going to give. And so then she's wondering, is this because I'm not generous? Is it, am I, and, and of course, the other thing too, the Lord busted me was he's like, you name drop me when you do it. God said we're supposed to do this. He's like, you're, you're, you're not a good steward. You have these four things that are great. You're missing wisdom in all the rest of the areas. And so I went to my wife, and she, she somehow knew all these things already. And I just repented to her, and I said, Karen, I'm so sorry. God just showed me what it's like to be married to me. And I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And she just wept. She just wept. Apparently, it wasn't that fun for her. What's the point? The point was that the Lord was showing me, listen, you are not managing the wealth that I've given you in the way that I've required that you manage it. You've got this part, but you don't have this part. You're, you're try, you're like, your heart's in the right place, but your strategy isn't in alignment with wisdom. And so we began to change the way that we managed our wealth. This was back in our 20s, as I shared. But you know what? The truth is, as we began to align ourselves with God, he has grown our investments. He has grown our wealth. He's given us the ability to give way more than we gave then. He's also increased our wealth. So, so, so what, I'm, what I'm trying to encourage you with here is that God is calling you. You have a responsibility. Every single one of you has a responsibility before the Lord to manage the wealth that he's given you in line with how his kingdom works. Not, not your instincts, not your perspectives, but the perspective of wisdom. Lord, what do you think about this? How have you called me to manage these things that you've given me? Because, beloved, everything that we have is from him. You, you, you get that, right? It's all his stuff. And he wants to continue to entrust us with more and more, but not just, not, not just for you, right? There's that prayer, there's that scripture that says, you have not because you ask not, but when you do ask, you ask amiss so you can spend it on your lusts. He's like, I ain't answering that prayer. I'm not answering that prayer. You're, you're, you're looking to say, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. There have been times where, where, well, I don't have time to go into it, but, but I, I, I want you to leave with this. I want you to leave with this. Every single one of us has a responsibility to walk in righteousness and in the wealth that he's given us. And the two are not, when, when it's done God's way, the two are not opposed because they are all coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and I just want to warn you. I just want to warn you. As you walk in wisdom, you will grow wealth. And you must not switch your allegiance then to the very wealth that he gave you by walking in what he's called you to. You continue to bring that before him and say, okay, Lord, 
You're, you just caused us to grow. I love this scripture here. A faithful man, this is Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. This Proverbs is filled with these. On the, like wisdom says, seek me first, but be aware that you'll end up wealthy if you do. However, don't try to get wealthy too quick. You won't go unpunished if you do that. You see what I'm saying? So there's a way that God's doing this where he's, he's entrusting us with more and more. I'll, lead, I'll, leave, I'll, uh, I'll end with the words of Jesus in Luke 9, uh, 16, 9 through 13. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he'll either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Serve God and know that he requires that you manage his money. Amen. Lord God, I pray that this word would go deep for each of us, Father. And if we have been given to abuse, Lord, either in the area of willful ignorance and then negligence in managing the level of wealth you've given us thus far, or, Lord, whether we're in love with money and we need to repent of that and turn back to you, and then, of course, myriad in between, Lord, you know the hearts of all of us here today. We ask by your Holy Spirit, wisdom that you would speak to us, that we would be in no way enslaved to idolatry in the area of money, nor, Lord, would we be enslaved to the idolatry of poverty in money, but, Lord, that we would be faithful to walk in righteousness and wisdom and manage your wealth, for all things belong to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you.